But let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, very familiar parable. We have a tree in our, in, uh, that we look at out our back porch. It's in our neighbor's yard. But um, sometime between last year and this year, it died. It's dead. Uh, it is uh, a big tree. It's right next to other trees that it's just as tall as those trees. Um, it's just as much an activity, a uh, hub of activity as those trees as birds and squirrels and all that are kind of scurrying around in its branches. But you've got trees with leaves all over them and then this one tree that is barren, not a single leaf on it. I don't know when it died, I don't know why it died, but it is dead. There's no growth. There's no life on it. Life produces growth. Living things grow. And in Luke chapter 8, Jesus is going to tell us a, a parable. And the main point of the parable is growth, is life, or the lack of it. So let's begin by reading verse 4, Luke chapter 8, verse 4. And we're going to read through to verse 8 to begin with. And then let's pray. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, we pray that you give us ears to hear and hearts to hear this morning what you would have to say to us through your word. And through this parable, Lord, we pray that you will challenge our hearts and encourage us, that you will convict us and strengthen us through this time in your word. We commit this time in Jesus' name. Amen. This parable describes what would have been a familiar sight to those in Israel in the day. A farmer walking along with a seed bag attached to his waist, and as he goes, he throws seed out. And in this parable, he throws some seed on a hardened path, a trafficked path that uh, you know, has so much traffic on it that the ground has become rock hard. And the seed just sits on the path. It cannot penetrate. And the birds of the air snatch away the seed. The second seed falls upon what is common in Israel, a thin layer of soil, just a couple inches of veneer, uh, under which is limestone, hard bedrock. And so it begins to grow and starts throwing up shoots happily, but then when the sun comes up and the heat gets upon it, it withers and dies and does not bear any fruit. The third seed falls among thorns which grow up and overwhelm it so it grows little or no fruit. And then finally, some of the seed falls on well-tilled ground 
and it grows, and it bears a hundredfold fruit. Now, in all four cases, the seed is the same. It's the soil that's different. And Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. After he tells this parable, his closest disciples come to him and say, tell us what the parable means. And so he explains to them, the seed is the word of God. The word of God, like a seed, full of all the life and potential and joy and truth, all of that potential lies in the word of God. And then he describes four hearts or four soils that have different responses to the word of God. We're going to spend most of our time on the fourth one, but let's quickly look at the first three. The first one is the hardened heart, and that produces no growth. Verse 12, the ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Now, the Bible speaks a lot about hard hearts, and it's a dangerous place to be. A hard heart is a dangerous state to be in. When a, hard is, when a heart is hard, the Word of God cannot penetrate that heart. It cannot germinate and bring the life that it has. It sits on the surface. The person hears the Word of God, but it does not penetrate at all into their hearts. And it doesn't stay on the surface for long because Jesus says the devil comes along and snatches the seed away so that they may not believe and be saved. A person with a chronically hard heart will not become a Christian. They will not become a Christian. Now, I, I, Christians can go through seasons of having a, struggling with a hard heart. But we need to take that very seriously. And the Bible gives us great hope when he says to us that we are to plow up the fallow ground. Plow up that hardened ground. Don't let it stay hardened. Hebrews says, today if you hear his word, do not harden your heart. A hard heart is a spiritually dangerous place to be in. And the one who chronically hardens their heart against the word of God will never believe and be saved, Jesus says. The second soil is the shallow heart, which produces quick growth that doesn't last. Verse 13. And the ones on the rock, Jesus says, are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in a time of testing, fall away. This is a person who hears the word of God with joy, but all their energy is put into upward growth, into the outward, the excitement, the, the, uh, the, the thrill of it, the, the performance of it, the, what people see, and, and none of it is put into the deepening of its roots. Every year I have a, uh, a fresh battle to fight with my lawn. And I've shared before, we have Creeping Charlie and we have all kinds of exotic weeds in our lawn. So every year I fight this battle. Well, this year I was preparing to fertilize the lawn in early spring. And I thought, I figured this, I figured the earlier I get that 
fertilization, that food into the lawn after a, a hard winter, um, the earlier I can get that in to the soil, the better for the grass. And I was all set to fertilize, and then I read something that slowed me down. I read that actually it's better to wait a few weeks after the grass begins to grow, and here's why. If you fertilize the lawn as it's beginning to come up, it takes all that nutrient and throws it right into the blade. And so the blade comes up nice and green and lush and grows and all this, but it feels like it's got all this food to deal with so the roots don't go deep and get stronger. If you wait, the roots say, hey, I'm hungry. Hey, this has been a long, hard winter. And the roots go down deeper in order to find the nutrients they need. See, when you fertilize early, all the energy is spent going upward to the blade instead of downward into the roots. That's kind of what Jesus is describing here. Someone who puts all their energy into the blade, into the, what people see, into, into uh, the, the excitement of... And I have met, I remember as, as a new believer, uh, this one guy, Tom, who became a Christian, and, and he just took off. He just took off, and I mean, he was teaching, and he was testifying, and he was everywhere, just a young man on fire for God. And yet, a year later, he completely fell away from God. It all went to the surface, and none of it went, well, less of it went to the root. And that's what Jesus is saying here. There's explosive growth, growth upward, little growth downward. And I tend to think this is, we're talking about discipleship. I think this is one of the areas the American church in particular needs to be watchful over. A British person, a theologian was asked what he thought of the American church. And he said, it's a mile wide and a half inch deep. It is, it is our tendency to want to focus on the things that look good we just love we have very little attention span I'm speaking generally and so we love things that kind of like come at us fast and furious but to for our roots to go down deeper we've got to do more work than that we've got to go deeper into the word of God than that we've got to still our souls and want deeper food than just you know uh, the excitement of it Because when it's all blade and no roots, it looks great until a hard time comes. Why do you believe in Jesus Christ? Why do you believe in all that he's doing in your life? That's when the roots come in. Because if when hard times come, if you don't know why, it's going to be really hard to understand. It's going to be really hard to hold on when trials come. We sang, God is so good. God, you're so good. When you're in a great season and life is great, you just got a raise and everything's coming at you great and all that, it's like, yes, God, you're so good. But what if you're in a hard time? You've just lost a loved one or you've just lost your job or you, you find out that you, you have some tremendous illness or someone you love does and something is hitting your life like that. Then where do you draw the life to sing, God, you're so good? 
It is not going to be from your circumstance. It's not going to be from your feelings. The roots have to go deeper than that. Now, there is a lot of reason why he is so good, even in those seasons. But our roots need to tap deep into that. The third heart he describes is the clutter heart. And that chokes out the growth. Verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Now I have to say, I used to think this described as well as the other two, someone who's not a believer, but I have come to believe. Uh, I've changed my mind on that. I think that this describes the stunted growth that, that I know I experience. Things choke, the cares, the worries, the desires of the world. And I'm sure you've experienced that too. This is a person who's ready to grow, primed to grow, has all the potential to grow, but thorns grow up around it. Worries, anxieties, choke. The desire for pleasure, choke. The desire for things, for riches, all that the world has to offer. And that, that is, you know, that, that can look different for different people. Choke. Until there's so little left for Jesus. Our love for Jesus gets overcrowded by our love for, or our worry about, all the things going on in life. Jesus said their fruit does not mature. Stunted growth. Stunted growth, little love, little peace, little joy, lots of worry, lots of preoccupation about getting ahead in life, lots of drive to get more and more. When our lives are choked by worry and worldly cares, I want to suggest to you that the best antidote to that isn't to go on a weed-killing rampage. I'm going to kill every, every weed that's in my life. I'm going to kill worry. I'm going to kill the desire for things. I'm going to kill the cares of the world. I, I suggest to you that's not the most important direction to go in. It's to cultivate healthy spiritual growth. And we're going to talk in a few moments about a little bit how we can do that. But I'm trying a new strategy with our lawn this year. In years past, I have focused on killing weeds. I have literally killed a third of our lawn in order to get rid of that creeping Charlie. I mean, just round up, kill everything, and then reseed. And I've done that at least twice. Kill everything, reseed. Focus on killing the weeds. I'm trying something a little different this year. I'm not even looking at the weeds. I'm focusing on strengthening the grass, strengthening the lawn. So I'm faithfully fertilizing and, and building it up. Janice is like, why are you fertilizing again? It's like, no, this is part of my plan. This is my plan to strengthen the lawn. Now, whether that works or not, it works in life, brothers and sisters. Whether my lawn, I can't guarantee how my lawn's going to do, okay? But it does work in life. Focus on our love for Christ. 
not our hatred of other things. Focus on our love for Christ. By the way, this is true in the physical realm too. The, the best route to health isn't to always be focused on sickness and getting rid of sickness in our life. The best route, now sometimes you've got to do that, but the best route to health is to boost your immune system and to eat right and exercise daily and get lots of sleep and do all the things you need to do for a healthy body, not focus on getting rid of sickness all the time. Well, the same is true spiritually. The answer to the distractions and the choking things in our life is, isn't to spend all our time weeding. We have to do some weeding. But I think the biggest answer is to grow. Spend time growing in Christ. And that brings us to the fourth ground, the good and honest heart, which produces good and slow growth. Verse 15, Jesus says, As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And this is what Jesus wants for our lives. He wants us to thrive in our walk with him. He wants us to thrive, and he wants us to help others thrive in their walk as well. You know what fruit does? Fruit reproduces itself. It reproduces itself. Jesus wants our lives not only to be strong in him, but he wants us to pass that on to others. He wants us to impact other people's lives in a positive way for the Lord, so that those who don't know Jesus might be drawn to Jesus, and those who do know Jesus are strengthened and grow stronger in their faith through the fruit of our lives, disciples making disciples. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is his word to us this morning. What does that mean? He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Everyone in the crowd heard Jesus. But in some way, they didn't. All four people in this parable, all four soils, heard the word of God. But in some way, they didn't. Only one did. There is a way to hear and not hear. There is a way to hear and hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I believe discipleship is the journey of hearing. I got a letter from Chip Ingram's ministry this week, and I opened it up because it asked on the envelope, what's the number one need in the church today? So I thought, I better know what that is. So I opened up the letter, and, uh, and it said, it asked me the question, what do you think, I'll ask you this question, what do you think is the most urgent number one need in the church today? It went on to say the number one need in the church today isn't revival, it isn't unity, it isn't a missions focus, it isn't Bible literacy, it isn't cultural relevancy. The number one need, it said, is for discipleship. I think he's right. Christians aren't being discipled. And Ingram writes this, without discipleship, here's what you find. 
pastors who look the part and preach lively sermons only to burn out and renounce the faith or fall in some way. We're seeing that happen on really sad levels. Parents that never reflect Christ to their children and the result is they raise unbelievers. Children that pray to accept Jesus and then walk away from their faith once they grow older and leave home. Converts who receive Christ and then never crack open a Bible, never find a church home, never grows fruit or bear spiritual fruit. Churches that don't grow in spiritual maturity and don't have much of an impact for the gospel in their world. And it makes me think of that tree in our backyard. It can grow big. It can have a lot of activity. But there's no life if there isn't fruit. More than ever, and here's the burden on my heart for, you, for us, for me, more than ever, folks, we live in dangerous times. We live in dangerous times spiritually. And I'm not an alarmist. I'm not an alarmist. Um, but I see spiritual danger going on in ways that surprise me today. I'm seeing believers that once looked so alive fall away from Christ. Walk away from Christ. The tree looks so alive and then it doesn't. And you wonder, how did it go from this to this so quickly? I'm seeing marriages that you would never have thought, never would have thought, come to an end. Come to an end. Something happens. There's a hardening of one heart or two hearts and a marriage of 20 years, 30 years, suddenly divorce. People that profess Christ, denying Christ. It is, I'm not an alarmist and I'm not pessimistic. But this is not a day for us to be weak, barely believing in our faith. We need to grow. We need to grow. We need to be discipled and we need to disciple others. As a church family, we want to be serious about helping one another take that next step in our discipleship journey. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. How can we be good ground for God's word? How can we hold fast to the word in good and honest and uncluttered hearts? I want to share just three very quick thoughts. The first one is this. We hear God's word by reading God's word. Now, I've said many times in this uh, series that knowing God's word does not equal spiritual maturity. 
Knowing God's word does not equate to spiritual maturity. But we won't mature unless we do know God's word. Well, there's no maturity apart from God's word. The seed doesn't guarantee growth, but without the seed, there's definitely no growth. So there is nothing, brothers and sisters, that can take the place of daily Bible reading. As consistently as you can be, get into the word of God. And I mean into the word of God. Don't even equate, you know, and I, I like reading other Christian books, but don't equate listening to a Christian talk about the Bible to reading the Bible. It's not the same thing. We need to be in the word of God. There is no spiritual growth apart from the word of God. You might be growing in something, but you're not growing in Christ if you're not in the Bible. I say that quite authoritatively. The seed is the word of God. If the seed isn't being planted in our hearts, we're not going to grow. He who has ears to hear needs to hear God's word. The second thing is that we hear God's word by doing God's word. When Jesus says they hold the word fast in good and honest hearts, he's talking about applying the word of God to our lives, holding it fast. It's not casual. It's holding it fast, doing what the Bible says. James urges us as well to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Growth is the opposite of stagnation. Growth means change and maturing and fruit-bearing. Spiritual growth comes at the intersection of hearing and action. The power of God's word is activated when we do what it says. And so when we go through God's word, we find that God's word is always challenging us to change. It challenges the unbeliever to believe. It challenges the sinner to repent. It challenges the hard-hearted person to break up the fallow ground. It challenges the unloving to love, the unforgiving to forgive, the worrier to trust God. It always challenges us to change. God's Word challenges us to change. And the growth maturing occurs not by hearing God's Word, and then ignoring it, but by doing it, applying it. That's the change challenge. Even small steps to progress in our faith. Growth is often, so often, the product of God's word speaking a word of change to us, a do, and then our obeying it. And then God meets us as we step out to obey with grace. But I want to prepare us that when God's word, when we hear God's word challenge us to change, our first reaction might well be to challenge the change. Rather than being challenged to change, we challenge the change. Here's what it sounds like. I can't love this person because... You see, you're challenging the change. God says, I want you to love. I can't love this person because. I can't forgive that person because of what they, how they hurt me. You're challenging the change rather than being change, challenged to change. I can't stop worrying because of my situation. I can't give generously because I don't have enough. I can't 
serve because I don't have the time. I can't obey God's word because we challenge the change. We give excuses. And I want to just drop into this, and I'm not going to go too deep into this, but if you're theologically savvy, you might get like really reformed and say, I can't change. Only God can change me. I used to have a friend, Teddy, and this guy was, uh, uh, this was back when I was young and single. This guy was a rock and roller. Uh, he was a rock and roller, incredible lead guitar player, rock, hard rock, great voice. Teddy was a Christian, but he would go all night out to bars, and then he'd come home at 4 or 5 in the morning, and he'd sleep till 2 in the afternoon. And he, he wanted to, so his walk with God was struggling, to say the least. And I would go over to Teddy's house, and Teddy would say to me with his, Alan, I need the power. I need the power to change. I need the power. It's like, yeah, you do need the power, but when you start to change, God will give you the power. Like, in other words, we can use kind of the reformed, which I believe it. You cannot obey God in your own strength. Amen? You cannot serve God in your own strength. You cannot change to be more like Christ in your own strength. Let's, let's put that. That is absolutely the grace of God. But, and that's very biblical. But it is not biblical to use that as an excuse to say, I'm not changing because God hasn't done it yet. As we take the step, God gives grace. God says, walk through the sea. Take the step. I will part the sea. I don't have the strength to forgive that person, but God, would you help me to? And I'm going to take steps towards that, and I'm going to believe your grace to empower me. And as we do, as we do, we grow. We experience grace. We experience change as we trust and obey. The last thought I want to share with you is let's be patient with slow growth. Amen? in ourselves and others. Jesus says the good soil bears fruit with patience. You only need patience when something takes a long time, when it's slow. The parable shows us this. The seed doesn't sprout up overnight. Crops don't like all of a sudden appear overnight. A good and healthy crop takes time and work and patience. And it does in our lives too. I have noticed a tendency in myself. Maybe you relate to this. I can be... I can have an area in my life where I am growing very slowly or maybe not even at all, and yet I give myself grace for that. And then I turn around and I can be impatient with someone else because they're not growing in the same area. I don't know if you do that, but I cut myself grace, I cut myself slack, and then can be impatient with others in the same area. The discipleship journey is a patient journey. Patience towards ourself and God's work in us. Patience towards others and God's work in them. We're not out to be faster than anyone else. We want to have slow, consistent, steady, God-inspired, empowered growth in our lives. And we don't want to blast each other when we're not moving fast enough according to our time. We want to encourage each other to grow. Even a small step in the right direction, even a little is something to rejoice over. Put our roots down a little deeper, a little deeper, 
a little deeper. I'm going to ask the, the band guys to come back up. God's word has all the potential in the world for producing life, salvation, joy, peace, righteousness, and good fruit in our lives. All the power in the world. We want to embrace that. Let's, let's go for growth and let's encourage each other for growth in our discipleship, in our walking. By reading God's word, folks, read God's word if you don't. And I'm sure you do have a daily reading, but if you don't, please do that. This isn't to condemn you. This is to encourage you to do that. Dads, read to your kids the word of God. Um, husbands and wives, read, pray together, obey God's word. As it speaks to your heart, say, Lord, I want to obey that. I'm not just reading this for to hear it, I want to obey it. I want to do it. How do I do it? Help me do it, God. Help me walk through it. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to mess up. But what a beautiful experience of life and growth as we walk forward obeying and patiently seeing and cultivating fruit in our lives. Healthy, lasting growth is more important than fast, short-lived growth. Let's pray together. And then we're going to sing a hymn together. And it may be a hymn you don't know. But it's a good old hymn. Father, we just thank you for this morning. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we pray that your word will take root deeply in our souls. Lord, we know we live in dangerous times. These are dangerous spiritual times. But we also know greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. We know that, Lord, your holding power, your keeping power, we can trust you. We can trust you. Lord, help us in our discipleship journey, both individually and as a church. We want to encourage growth in Christ. We want to encourage change, maturing, and fruit-bearing, Lord, both in our lives and in one another. Help us to do that, Lord, we pray. And we give you the praise and we call upon your name in Jesus' name. Amen.